Good morning. What a, a privilege it is for me to be able to stand up here um, before you today. Uh, you know, Corey, as he was, as we were chatting a little bit before chapel, he kind of asked me a little bit about myself and degrees and my wife. And obviously, um, I did marry up a little bit. Um, but it's, it's been a, such a privilege just being here uh, with you all. Um, one of the things that Corey didn't mention is that initially when I moved to Boston, my family and I, when we moved to Boston, we moved up to start a church. I was finishing up seminary and we were considering what we might want to do. We were looking at places like Charlotte and Atlanta going down south. My family is originally from Georgia and I grew up in Virginia. So New England wasn't on my map, although it's been a beautiful place. And, you know, we were just praying through different opportunities. And it was being a part of college and being a part of a college ministry that really led us to want to be in this area. There's so many colleges and universities, but it was one of those things that was really challenging for us as a family. You know, being so far away, I remember our first um, first winter here. It was actually September right around this time. I think it was really cold, and my wife came up to me. She's like, honey, I wore my biggest coat already. You know, and then we had to, obviously, we had to go to Burlington or somewhere to get coats. And But it's been not only, not only that shift and change in, in trying to adapt to the climate in New England, but also being away from family. As many of y'all, you probably have experienced so far this semester, the excitement has kind of worn down a little bit of being back at school, uh, both for the students as well as for the administrators and, and teachers as well, right? Amen. Um, but the reality is, you know, during this time when, when you're excited about something and, and, something start, and things are starting to change and, and the newness kind of wears off, you start to kind of look at your goals and you start to look at your priorities and you start to, to really question, what is it that I should be doing? Right. And the reality is that these are a little different than the, the new the New Year's resolutions that we make. All of us have made those before. We make the New Year's resolutions. And by February, we've already stopped doing the things that we said we were going to do. Right. You know, I'm going to work out every day and I'm going to have a six pack when it's beach time. Yeah. And that six pack ends up being a one pack or a two pack. And, and we leave it at that. Right. Um, but the reality is sometimes you know, we make those resolutions and they end. But, 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 but the thing I'm kind of talking about today is we make these goals and we set these priorities for ourselves. It's a lot different. You know, we start looking around and, and many of you all have probably engaged with those uh, social media philosophers, right? By that, the Twitter, the Instagram, or, or even Facebook people that have all these awesome things to say about life. But you meet them in person and they can't carry on a conversation, right? And so as you engage with that, oftentimes we may even look at that social media to kind of try to figure out what we're supposed to be doing in our life, right? Some of us may watch TV. Back in my day, it was like Oprah or Dr. Phil or something like that, you know, but we look at these things and we try to figure out how can I put all this together? Where should I spend my time? Who should I engage with? The reality is that, that oftentimes we look in all the wrong places. We're looking at Facebook or we're looking at, you know, social media. Or we're looking at television or we we're even talking to that that friend from high school or that friend that we're even engaged with now in college. The reality is that we look in the wrong place and we should be just looking toward the Lord. You know, oftentimes it's hard to trust the Lord. For some of us here, we have different experiences. Some of us grew up in Christian households. Other of us, others have maybe not even experienced being in Christian community before, while still others may not even care about Christianity at all or, or faith in Christ. You know, there's a verse that I like to go to oftentimes. It's really my anchor verse for life. As I'll share a little bit, we've had some challenges in our family and had challenges as, you know, we were even before we were married. But it's simply Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And many of, you all, many of us probably have memorized this verse in Awanas or in Bible, Bible school or heard it plenty times. But it simply says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding 
and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Other versions say, and he will direct your paths. You know, there are three observations that, you know, I see in that passage that are really important for us. First, you know, we're challenged by, this is Solomon writing this, and we're challenged to trust in the Lord. And the reality is, for those of us that know a little bit about Solomon, we realize that he's the wisest and the richest man to ever live. If anybody we should be taking advice from, it should be probably this guy Solomon. But he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So that's the first thing he's calling us to do through his life. He's living this out. The second thing he mentions is, and do not lean on your own understanding, right? And the final thing, he says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know, this idea of trusting in the Lord is hard to trust. Many of us, we have things that we trust in every day, right? We get on an airplane, we trust that the engineers that built this airplane built it correctly, up to the, to the specifications that it needs to be built. We trust that the pilot has done all of his hours, his or her hours, and that he or she can fly this plane where we need to go. We trust that when we buy something at a restaurant, that the person that's walking away with our debit card, that they're not going to do anything dishonest with that car. We trust that the seats that we're sitting in, in Hebrews or, uh, or any other classroom around, that these chairs are going to hold us up. But oftentimes when we're called to trust in the Lord, we start to question. You know, Lord, if you're really real, how can all of this stuff happen in this world? Lord, if you're really real, why do I feel so much pain right now? Why am I so tired? Why are my professors assigning papers in the first two weeks of classes? I don't know. You know, those are questions that we may ask ourselves. But the reality is, the way that God has created us, he's created us for this, this longing for him. That even for those that never prescribed to follow after Christ, that they're able to look out in nature, they're able to look out at the world around them, and they're saying, wow, there has to be his God. There has to be a God somewhere. And for those that actually follow after Christ, we get this specific revelation of the gospel of Jesus. That we realize that he raised from the dead for us. That he lived a sinless life. And that he went to go prepare a place for us. And that he's going to come back for us one day. And through that, we can move forward. Through that, we can set our priorities. Through that, we can set our goals. You know, this idea of trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. This idea of heart is not the the organ heart, but it's everything that we are. Our minds, our thoughts, every, every, everything that comprises us as people. And so when we think about trusting in him with all of that, you know, it's the actions that we have. It's the things that we say. It's even the things that we place inside of us. You know, growing up, um, we used to have these things called matchbox cars. Anybody seen the little cars? They might be coming back now. I used to love these cars. And when I was little, I used to put them in the bathtub with me and pretend like I'm taking a bath, but I'm just playing with these cars. And my mom's like, are you taking a bath? Oh, yeah, mom, but I'm not even wet up here, you know. Um, but as, but I, as I think about that, you know, we look at these toy cars. One of my favorite cars was like the Lamborghini Diablo. And if, if one of us was fortunate enough to have a Lamborghini Diablo in real life, when we drove that car and we pulled up to the gas station, what would we put in that car? You know, if we're not on a tight budget, we'll probably put the highest octane gas as possible, right? We put that 93 octane gas. We wouldn't put 87, or we wouldn't put windshield wiper fluid in there, because we realize, right, we realize that that car needs the best gas possible to move forward and to, to perform at its highest capacity. For many of us, friends, we know that we put a lot of junk in our lives, and we fill up with this junk, and we're, when we get pressed a little bit, that's kind of what comes out. You know, it's almost like that toothpaste tube that has crest on the outside. When you squeeze it, you expect crest to come out. You don't expect expect Colgate or anything else to come out. 
And oftentimes we do that very thing to ourselves. We put all these things in our minds, all these images. And when we're pressed and we really need to trust on something, we have nothing to fall back on. Because we haven't put our trust in Christ. You know, my wife is an awesome everything. Um, I'm serious. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We're going, we have a date night tomorrow too, so I'm kind of prepping a little bit. But, um, yeah. Um, the, rea- the, re- the reality is, my wife is an awesome cook as well. She's not only, she was an engineer in college and I studied government, so when she was going to the lab, I was going home, you know, type deal. Um, but she makes these cakes called red velvet cakes. And I think we have a picture. Do we have a picture of a red velvet cake? Oh, there it is. Um, this isn't her cake. Her cakes are much better. But the reality is um, that one of the first things that we have to realize is that we need to continually trust the Lord. And this example, the red velvet cake is, I think they're from God anyway, red velvet cakes. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things about my wife, and I know you all are doing uh, a, what is it, a, a cookbook and getting recipes and stuff. She will not give you this recipe. She might give you any other recipe, but she won't give you this one. But the reality is when she makes this cake, we've been married over 10 years now, and every time she makes this cake, she takes out her recipe, and she looks at it to make sure that she's putting the right things in this cake. And she follows the directions to a T. And every time, we're guaranteed a nice cake at the end of, end of uh, it baking or whatever it may be. But the reality is that it's a continual process, that she's continuously spending time to read the instructions and understand what needs to go into that cake. Same thing with a golf instructor. If any, anybody plays golf or does a sport or anything like that, you realize that having instruction is very important. And no matter how good you get, you still need to follow, you follow through with everything. You're doing the basic, you know, your basic strokes, you're doing your warm-up, you have someone that's looking from the side. But it's a continual process. If we're going to trust God, friends, much like that cake or that golf instructor, it's a continual process. It's not a one-time thing. I like the way Solomon says it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, he's not saying with some of your heart. He's not saying with a little bit. He's saying trust with all of your heart. And so that not only means everything that you are, but that means all of your time, everything that you do. You know, the awesome thing about both of those examples is is that they're, you know, as Solomon's kind of fleshing it out, this idea of trust, it means simply to be confident, unsuspecting, to cause to rely, to inspire confidence. That when you're following these instructions, you understand that, hey, I'm doing the right thing. Our instructions is this word. No matter where you've been in your life, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're going through right now, if you read the word of God and you trust in him, he will direct your path, friends. I know these papers are getting hard. You guys may be tired right now. You guys may be struggling with family issues, roommate issues, friend issues, whatever it may be. If you put your trust in God, And if you read God's word and you dig into it and and not just read it for information, but for transformation, God will transform your life. You see, you're hearing from someone that hasn't always been a a, a follower after Christ. You see, I grew up in a Christian home, but the reality is I put a lot of trust in my own thoughts and and my own abilities and everything that I thought I could do. My wife would tell you, you know, my first, you know, when she first met me in college, I was one of those types of of guys that was kind of straddling the fence. I knew the right things to say because I'd grown up in church, right? And so I was, you know, first time I met her, I never forget. I was in a fraternity in college and, you know, you know, I know we don't have fraternities here, but fraternities, you know, sometimes can be good in some ways. But we did some things that weren't so good as well. Um, and we threw a, a bunch of parties and all these different things. And and one of, when I first met her, I invited her to a party. I'm like, you know, yeah, I know you're a freshman on the team. And I just, you know, I had my game and stuff, you know, 
you know, I just, I just want to chat with you for a little bit. And, you know, we got a party tonight, and that's the way we, we make money for our scholarship fund. And she was like, I don't go to parties. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. It's a little interesting. You know, most freshmen, they wouldn't turn down that invitation from me, right? Um, but I'm just joking. Um, but needless to say, needless to say, it, needless to say, the next thing I did was I invited her to come to, to meet my Christian friends. Oh, I'm also a part of Campus Crusade. Come meet my Christian friends now, right? And the, and the, rea- and the reality is that oftentimes that, you know, as you, as you look at the types of lives that we may live, you know, I'm even speaking about myself, that sometimes we can straddle the fence, and sometimes trusting, trusting may not mean just all the time. Trusting is oftentimes when we really need it, right? When things get really bad, I'm going to cry out to the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord now. But the reality is God wants all of us. He wants all of our hearts. And the awesome thing about, you know, as we talked about our relationship a little bit, that I began to grow and, you know, she was praying for me and, and really start to understand what it means to commit my whole life to the Lord. This idea of trusting in the Lord means total surrenderance. This is an act of obedience, It's not an act of just, you know, I think I'm going to do it today. But God calls us to be obedient. You see, friends, 99% obedience is 100% disobedience. Guys, got it? 99% obedience is 100% disobedience. God expects us to give give him all that we have. And so many of us are here today with different, we're going to be in different fields of, of, of work. We're going to be starting businesses, having families, all of these different things. Give that all to the Lord, trusting him with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. The second thing is not leaning on your own understanding. I like the way Solomon says this because it's, it's easy for us to, to lean on our own understanding. We think we got it made. We think everything's going to work out the way that we planned it. Even when we make those plans, it's going to work out this way. You know, one of the things that, that we ran into early in our life is, you know, Tamika, tell you, my last season at UVA on the track team, you know, it was, we have indoor and outdoor track. And the indoor track, I broke the school record in the long jump. And it was this guy. He used to play for the Giants named Tiki Barber. He was the former record holder at UVA, and I broke the record. I was so excited, and I thought my life was going to go in that direction, right, that I was going to be this big track star and make a whole bunch of money, and we just had, they just follow me around at track meets and stuff, and that would be our life. But, but it, didn't, it didn't work out that way. I ended up getting hurt. I got a, a stress fracture in my hip. And for anybody that knows anything about a stress fracture, it's one of those nagging things. You just wish the bone would just break, you know, so that it can get a clean break and it would heal. But a stress fracture in your hip, for me, it was tough because I do hurdles. I do long jump. I did all these other events. And it was very challenging for me to, to even practice. And so my life kind of went into a different direction. I realized that, you know, I was putting a lot of trust in my own athletic ability or my own intelligence or all those other things. And I was really leaning on my own understanding of what God really wanted in my life. But it really, sometimes it takes those moments of really being really low. Anybody ever been low before? Had those down times? And you feel like, God, I can't do anything else but trust you right now. Sometimes God speaks to us in those, in those low moments, friends. And this idea of acknowledging him in all that we do, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of jumps, into, jumps into really not only knowing who God is, not only spending time with him, but being intimate with the Lord. And I love this passage and the way it kind of rolls out. And the next point, you know, we'll jump to really quick, is just consistently checking your own heart. You know, it's easy to, to not only continually trust the Lord, but to consistently think that you're doing the right thing. You know, our own motives, we think that in our own selves that we're doing things that are right, right? Anybody know anybody that thinks they know everything all the time? Maybe it's your roommate. Yeah, don't raise your hand. Don't look at them. Don't do it. Because <laughs> I, I don't want any calls today talking about we got roommate issues. We need a roommate switch, you know. Uh, it's okay to laugh. Uh, but the reality is we have to often check our own hearts. We have to often check our own motives, our own desires. 
you know, there's uh, anybody been to Florida before and seen the space shuttle where it used to launch from? Uh, well, one of the things is when, when you have a rocket launch, you know, there are a number of things that go on. There's an image there where you'll see, you know, kind of a rocket launch on the left. But you often have a whole bunch of things. You have a whole bunch of people with different computers up, screens and everything. And they're going through doing multiple checks. And we realize that countdown starts like days before the actual launch. And oftentimes there are people, even up to that last minute, if something isn't quite right, then they abort the mission. We've seen that before. In our lives, friends, it's no difference. That we have to consistently check our own motives. You know, one of the awesome disciplines of the Christian faith is fasting and praying. And one of the things that, that we, we did is that we fasted and prayed all the way through our, through our wedding night or wedding day, really. And, and the reality is with that, we, we turned it over to God and we said, whatever will happen, Lord, if you don't want us to get married, you will, you will let us know through this process. And, you know, that's a big decision that we were making. But oftentimes, even with the smaller decisions that you all may make in your life, that all of us may make in our life, it's really consistently checking our motives. Because sometimes we can want something so much that we end up tricking ourselves into believing that God told us to do it, right? Yeah, relationships. Anybody ever heard of the missionary relationship? Yeah, missionary relationship being that one person is, you know, following after God, the other person isn't, and you're like, oh, I can change him, or I can change her. Yeah, I'm not a Lord, you know, and, and those things don't work, friends. You know, if someone's in one right now, I'm sorry. Um, but the reality is we have to consistently check our own motives. We have to check our own hearts. Um, you know, there's a verse, uh, Proverbs 3 and 7 kind of touches on it. It goes on to say, uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Do not be wise in our own eyes. It's easy for us to do that. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. So we all think that we're right. We all think that we're right. Third, do everything as unto the Lord. Uh, that's the next point. Uh, do everything as unto the Lord. You know, I love our, our basketball team in the Olympics. Whenever that comes around, you see people representing their country, right? You see them there. They're wearing the USA or they're wearing whatever country they're from, and they're representing their country well. Uh, there's an image up as well. Um, you know, the, as they're representing, you know, they're, they're carrying their flag. They're running around. You know, no matter what's going on with these people during the year, when it's time for them to go to the Olympics, they represent their country. And, and realize that we're not only representing our country, but we're representing the Lord. Every time that we go out, people know that you guys go to ENC. People know that you guys are taking religion classes and you're in first year experience and you're learning how to set goals and understanding God's plan for your life. And whether you believe it or not, uh, oftentimes our family and our friends, they look at us. And sometimes they may be the, we may be the only Jesus that they see on a daily basis. The way that we interact with people. Even when people make you mad, you know, they, you're, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ. For those, one of the things that we had to adjust to when we first moved up is driving in the Boston area. Although we lived in D.C., we're from D.C., I didn't get all the rotaries and all that stuff and the skinny little streets. And it bugged me to death because, you know, sometimes someone cuts you off, they kind of make you rise up a little bit, right? Anybody ever been mad with somebody cutting you off? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Yep, yep, got it. You know, it makes you mad. And you hear about those times where you want to jump out the car, right? Someone cuts you off and they're beeping it. And the, the worst thing, oh, gosh. The worst thing is when you stop at the stoplight and you're, you, they, you don't move right away and people bonk, beep, kind of beep their horn. You can almost hear their anger as they're beeping on their horn, right? They're like, da da, And then I just want to jump out the car and I turn around and it's this little lady. I'm like, gosh, man, this is it's interesting. <laughs> I probably shouldn't do this, right? I probably shouldn't do this right now. Um, but the reality is we have to realize that we're doing everything as unto the Lord. Every decision that we make, every person that we engage with, that people are watching us even when we don't know it. A musician in the orchestra, I love this example. 
Uh, we have some awesome musicians. Didn't the worship team do a great job today, guys? Awesome job. You know, the one thing, and, and most musicians will tell you, you know, as if you can look at the picture there, what the musicians are doing, they have their stands set in such a place that they can keep their eyes on the conductor. That anybody who's conducted before, you look at the sheet of music that's laid out, the conductor's kind of sheet, it has every piece on there. The conductor knows everything that everyone should be doing at any given time. That's why you see he or she kind of pointing in different sections and telling them what to do. But the individual that's sitting there playing, whether it be the trumpet or the violin or whatever it may be in this orchestra, that they have their stands positioned in such a way that they can keep their eyes focused on the conductor. Everyone in that orchestra has a direct view to that conductor. For us, that's what we're called to do. All of us have different purposes. All of us have different plans. All of us have different ways of even doing things. But what we're called to do is to focus on our sheet of music and focus on the conductor. You know, God gives each of us his word to kind of dig into. For some of us, you know, it may mean something different in each stage of our life. That we can read this passage, Proverbs 3, over and over again. And when you're a college student, it may mean just making it through this next paper or this next assignment. When you're engaged, it may mean making it until you get married. When, it, when you're a little further along and you have children, it's really, Lord, I just need to trust you with my children's lives. Look, God, I, got, I just have to give them over to you, Lord. I'm not going to always be there for them. Whatever it may be in our life. We always have to go back to the sheet of music, our instruction manual, this word of God, but then also keep our eyes focused on the conductor. You know, I love Romans 8 and 28. You know, we've heard it over and over and over and over again. That for all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purposes. We've heard that over and over and over and over again. And the reality is what we learn through Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is that our trust We have to take away our understanding and then we acknowledge God and then he gives us direction. So we trust in him. We take away our understanding. We acknowledge him and then he gives us direction. You see, friends, all of us have many of us have flown on an airplane before. I love there's Singapore Airlines. Anybody from Singapore here? Nobody from Singapore? Singapore Airlines has one of the probably one of the most luxurious kind of planes ever. You know, they have, if you show the image, they have like these kind of cubbies that you can get in. You know, Singapore is a long way from, from mainland United States, but they have these little cubbies. If you look on the right there, you can get in, you can lay back, you can go to sleep, you can do all these different things. You have choices to make. You know, as the individuals board this plane, they have multiple choices. They have all kinds of choices to make. The reality is, as long as they stay on that plane and they don't go to the door and jump out, they're going to reach their destination. For many of us in life today, we have many choices to make. Now, this person riding this plane, they could be uncomfortable. They could go and sit in the bathroom and stay in the bathroom the entire flight to Singapore. That wouldn't be very comfortable. Or they can do what's prescribed for them and go sit in their seat or lay back and watch television, whatever it may be. And that ride's a lot more comfortable. For us, some of us are living these bathroom type of lives, right? We make these decisions that don't set us up well. And we go through our whole life, for those of us that even know Christ, we go through our whole life sitting in the bathroom, going through turbulence, (laughs) tips upside down. We live our lives in that way. And the sad thing about it is that you're still going to get there. If you're trusting God as your Savior, you're still going to get there. But have you trusted him as your Lord and your friend? You see, the reality is everyone needs a Savior and everyone can call out for help when they're drowning. But will you submit your lives to Jesus Christ? 
Will you submit everything that you have to him? Will you trust in him with all your heart? Will you give all of your understanding away and trust him? Will you acknowledge him in all that you do? Don't live a bathroom type of life, friends. Do what God instructs you to do. He gives us free will to choose how we're going to live our lives, who we engage with, the way that we spend our time. You know, one of the things that is very important for for me coming here to ENC, I spent a lot of years at different institutions, some at Liberty University, some at Northeastern, uh, teaching, uh, political science, coaching, track and field, and working in student affairs. And one of the things that I've learned is that we can't do it in our own strength, that it's not an administrator or it's not a professor or it's not a system, it's not the school that makes our lives better. And that sometimes it's not even about having a better life. But it's really considering the path that God has laid before you. And have you given your entire life to him? And you know, I often talk about creating a better environment. For those that have sat down in my office and we've chatted a little bit, I often talk about wanting to create an environment for you all to be successful here at ENC. That means maybe removing some of the hindrances or barriers. And I know that there's some here right now today that don't know Jesus as your Savior. I know that there are others that are probably here today that may have initially trusted Christ, but for some reason, you've made some decisions and you've strayed away. There are even others right now that may be walking with the Lord that you're just struggling. You're having a tough time in your families or with your children or in your classes or whatever it may be. But I want to encourage you that there are a couple of things that are important for us to realize that God may be directing us toward him and back to him. You know, oftentimes when we run into troubling times in our life, you know, we have restless spirits. We're restless about something. If that's your case, God may be speaking to you. It may be a spoken word from a friend or something you hear on the radio or someone that's in the body of Christ in your church or even someone that's in your classes. That spoken word, God may be speaking to you. It may be an unusual blessing something that's happened in your life that's so far beyond anything that you can explain, God may be speaking to you. It may be an unanswered prayer that you've prayed for years. God may be speaking to you. It could be a disappointment. All of us face them. God may be speaking to you. It may be an extraordinary circumstance. God may be speaking to you. It may be defeat in your life. God may be speaking to you. It could be a tragedy a sickness, or even financial troubles, God may be speaking to you. Friends, as we close our time, I invite you to trust the Lord with all your heart. Friends, I invite you to abort and to abandon your own thinking and just dive into God's word and see what he says about who you are, about the way that he's created you, about the way that he's made you. Friends, I invite you to acknowledge him in all that you do, so that he will direct your paths. Let us pray together. God, what an awesome group of family, an awesome family that's here today, Lord. I thank you for Easter Nazarene and what they've already meant for me and my family to raise my three daughters around young people that love Jesus, other young people that are beginning to love Jesus, and and still others that are still walking and, and are desiring a change. And so they came to ENC. 
Lord, I thank you for the professors that are here and the administrators, facilities and housekeeping and all of those that make this school work. God, I pray for each, per- each person that's here today that may be wrestling or struggling. And Lord, you may be speaking to them today. God, I pray that their hearts are just set on fire for you, Father. That when they go out, they're able to operate in such a high capacity, Lord. But that only comes from you, Father. Lord, we're all sinful. We all fall short of your glory. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for all the things that you do in spite of our sinfulness. And God, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We do love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us by allowing Marion and Tamika to be part of our community. We thank you for them. We pray your blessing upon them and their family. You have blessed us by allowing us to be part of this community, this college, this Christian community. And above all, Lord, you have blessed us with the most precious gift of all, your son, Jesus. And now may our individual lives be all about Jesus, we pray. May we completely trust in you. May this community be all about Jesus, we pray. For your glory and for your honor. May we be about Jesus when the days are difficult and when the days are good. May it be about Jesus when we receive praise. May the days be about Jesus when we receive criticism and critique and harsh words against us. May we be reminded that we are with Jesus and he is all that we need. We thank you for that. So as we go our separate ways this week, and Lord, be glorified in all that we do and say as we continue to worship together. And to close this week of chapels and this time together. We sing praise together by singing. Praise God. Go in peace to love God and serve others. You are dismissed.